Touchdown or turnover, back by Alcoa 10, Federal Credit Union, place where you belong, better rate to end, better service. Uh, turnover margin uh, is a stat that I'm playing close attention to. Um, I'm, I will be talking about it. I'll be highlighting it. I think it's very important when you, uh, for any team, especially this football team where defensive depth is not um, where it needs to be. And then offensively, we assume that it will be further along than, 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 than the defense. That's not the case so far. But turnover margin, super important right now. Uh, Tennessee is negative uh, negative four. Had one turnover against Bowling Green, a fumble. Um, and then you had three uh, against against Pitt. And defense did a really good job of bowing their neck and forcing field goals there. Um, but the fact remains you are at negative four. Uh, touchdown turnover. Tennessee evens. They even the turnover margin versus Tennessee Tech. They even the turnover margin, touchdown or turnover. That would mean you get four takeaways with zero turnovers. Touchdown turnover. So the turnover margin is at negative four. Right now, you even it after this game. So that would mean you have to be plus four against Tennessee Tech. Uh, I'll say turnover. There's just no evidence of... Tennessee forcing four turnovers in a game, um, even against Bowling Green, who is not a great opponent by any stretch of the imagination. They couldn't force a turnover against Bowling Green. So if, if you can't force one against Bowling Green, didn't force one against Pitt, I have a hard time believing that you're going to force four in, in one game, regardless of who the opponent is. Now, I, I don't think the the turnover margin is a is an accurate reflection of the defense. I, I think the defense has been doing a good job of, of getting their hands on the football. Uh, Theo Jackson nearly had a pick last week when, when he jumped in front of a route. Uh, they, they've been trying. They had two. There, there's no so debating the season. Yeah, yeah there, there's no debating the effort. Tennessee's defense has been putting in the effort to force turnovers. It's literally the first thing that Tennessee's de- defense does every single day of practice. They they stretch, and when they break from from stretch and and warming up, they go into to individual drills, and the defense does a circuit where it's split up into. Four groups. Uh, I'm forgetting how they they split them up. Defensive line, linebackers. Maybe it's just three. I don't know. But they they split up into 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 groups and they they rotate from Rodney Garner, who's who's doing one type of turnover drill, to Mike Eckler, who's who's doing another turnover drill to, to Tim Banks, who's who's doing another turnover drill to Willie Martinez, who's doing another turnover drill. So it's not for a lack of effort. And you've seen them, them get their hands on the football. The, the ball just hasn't bounced their way. Just, just been some unfortunate luck from the defensive standpoint. So um, I, I think the defense will force a turnover or two. I just don't know about four and one game. And, I don't trust the offense to, to, to just play flawless football against anybody. So I say turnover. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm you know I'm going I'm going turnover too. I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be four. Uh, I think it'll be plus two. I think it'll be plus two at the very very minimum. Uh, I think I think 
obviously the speed and the the power will overwhelm Tennessee Tech as it should, and I think Tennessee will at least be plus two in the turnover margin. But plus four is a lot um, in one game. We'll be surprised if it happens. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I ain't putting any money on it, and that's how I answer these questions as if I'm putting my own money on it. So. I'm going to go turnover as well. 865-255-03. Let's go to the Irish Networks hotline. And um, let's get Turkey Man. Turkey Man, good morning. Hey, brother. I, I was uh, I was going to wait a little longer. I just got up and got some things to do. And I got to think, well, I might get busy and I can't call back. But you talk about Uros. I guess I said that right. Uros. Right. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh you remember here a while back I sent you uh, as this white boy and I said, this Ben, and you said Ben would like, like to be that. It's a guy's on YouTube, uh, and uh, <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Ed, but he, it's for this name and likeness deal about he had started a, a uh, YouTube uh, page or channel, and he was doing stuff with basketball. And then he got he got uh, he got an offer to go to college, play basketball. Well, he couldn't do the, the YouTube at that time. And I got to thinking about that. This this would be a perfect way for him, Uros, to have him a YouTube channel and doing stuff uh, Uros does. And I think he could do that. Uh, I believe he could, and uh, he could really use. Uh, as long as the money doesn't touch his hands and go straight from YouTube or Google straight to um, the nonprofit organization is what you know, the feedback that Uro's got uh, regarding you know his ability to earn income. You know he can't, but he can raise money for others. Uh, who's next? David in Louisville. David in Louisville. Good morning, David. Thanks for t- for What's the phone up, call, Turkey Man. What's up, Dave? It. Hey, nothing. <laughs> uh, at the game Saturday, I, I applaud their effort. Uh, you know, again, uh, not the outcome we wanted. I had a uh, couple questions. Do you feel any certain type of way? And this is not my opinion, but speaking to someone about some of the coaching decisions throughout the game, uh, throw up any red flags at all for you? Uh, you know, for example going shotgun when you need an inch or uh, keeping Jabari small out there, knowing you're thin at running back to uh, in the sec- the first half, leaving you Jalen right all the second half. Um, anything like that as far as coaching, give you any type of red flag, Swain or Ben? Um, I, I believe Jabari small, I think, I mean, you leave him out there because, you know, you're confident in his ability to protect the football and, you know, so I don't have a problem with that. I, I think the fourth down in one shotgun, and we can always we can always look at that hindsight and say that was a bad call. Um, but you know, we've seen we see teams all around the country you know run the ball that way in fourth fourth down and one, especially if they have a running quarterback because you want the defense to be able like to see that. the mesh point there. But you know, when it fails, I mean, when it fails, you you know it, it pisses you off. I think 
even if you're in our formation with that push that Pittsburgh had, you're not getting it anyways. Honestly, if you're under center and you're in, and you're in the eye, uh, because we had two linemen on the ground uh, in the backfield, <laughs> line scrimmage was moved. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it, um, but I do understand that 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 it works. Um, and had just worked on the Jalen Wright touchdown. Yeah, it works. It just you know just you just hate you just it's a bad it's a bad optics when it doesn't work because it's like all right shotgun with a couple inches to go and you snapping the ball three or four yards backwards to go an inch forward. Um, but it it works. It just the execution was bad there because you know you didn't get the push. And I'll say this again. If we were out formation, uh, I don't know if you would have got it anyways because there was push there in the middle. So, um, as what, far as what it, about like the hundred thirty yards plus of penalties, or knowing you're in a dogfight, you need your timeout. You know, I was going there, blowing two of them. You know, I, I just stuff like that. Yeah, I, again, yeah, I was I going there too early in my opinion. But I'm just saying what 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 people are in my ear about, and I'm just like chill out. You know. You know, chill out. Like, let's let it play out just a little bit. But um, last thing, I'll, I'll let y'all go. Just if you all could maybe let me know: Is Byron Young finally allowed to play? Is Cooper going to be healthy by the Florida game? And then what? All, what? What? Ha- it was a Javari's collarbone. Is he okay? Uh, and then Jalen Hyde concussion wise. I know that was a lot to throw at you. If you took notes, but just player injury updates and eligibility updates, guys. Love y'all. Love the show. Call it. Call back in soon. Um, Byron Young is, is eligible. Uh, Heifel mentioned that yesterday. As far as the injuries, you know, it, it's, it was Monday. It's Tuesday now. And so I think that's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with, with Hyatt. Uh, he did take a spill. Uh, he may be able to play, may not be. Um, but he has to pass certain tests, things like that. You know, I've had concussions, and, and everyone's different. Like, the way you respond to a concussion is different. Is that his first one? Is that his second one? Uh, the more you get, the harder it is to, to bounce back. So if it's his first one and um, it's mild and it's not that not that uh, severe, then, you know, he may be able to come back and, and play. We'll see uh, as the week goes along. Same thing with Cooper Mays. We'll see how he progresses. Uh, and then Jabbar Small, I haven't heard an update on, on his shoulder. I do – remember seeing him walk off the field and you always know it's a shoulder about how they hold their their arm uh, and they basically drooping one side of their shoulder um, as opposed to the other side you can kind of tell it's a shoulder injury so you know don't know if it's a sprain something he can brace up and roll with some treatment or if it's something that's you know significantly worse and you want to protect him from not getting hurt anymore because he's going to be taking shots on that shoulder because he's a running back and he's going to be falling on it and he's only trying to block too in the passing game, so uh, they got to determine if, if he's able to protect himself or if he's able to play without making it worse. It's something that he can play through, but just manage the pain. So uh, don't know the answers with Jabari Small, Cooper Mays, or Hyatt on a Tuesday. Not just not yet. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Go to the text box as promised. Uh, Andy Mizuno golfer says Hooker should have pulled that. He could have. Ran around the outside. I agree. I think I thought that was a pull. If that was truly a zone read, uh, that was a was a pull. <laughs> Dusty Rose with a joke says is Uro tall enough to catch a Milton pass. Uh, question is, is he fast enough? Got to be fast enough. I don't know if he's fast enough. Other um, McKee says you can you can tell they are trying to strip the ball on most tackles. The turnovers aren't just aren't there. They'll come. 
you know, if you continue to work on it, they'll come. They'll come. They will come. If you work on it in practice, you make it a point of emphasis in practice, they, they will come. We just need them to come now. <laughs> you negative four internal margin, it's time for them to come. This will be a good time to get it going um, as you head into Florida next week. Uh, wanted to uh, revisit David's point um, about the timeouts. And I did not have a problem with the two timeouts that, that Hypel used. He, he didn't just take a timeout just to take a timeout. Uh, on, on the first timeout that he took in the second half, it was right before uh, a critical third down that Pittsburgh was was facing, and there was some confusion on Tennessee's defense as to where to line up and, and whatnot. And well, Heupel, that, Heupel took a timeout, and Tennessee ended up getting the stop. Well, you should, you should, if you are – I understand what you're saying, but – if you're a hypo, you would want to make that stop without the confusion. The last thing you want is to call timeout because of confusion with personnel. This is why you go through walkthroughs. Right. Um, but is, isn't that a separate like issue? Like you're you're right, but isn't like the debating whether or not hypo should have called a timeout in that situation or not different than the the fact that, okay, why are you confused in this situation? Why why are we facing a critical third down and we have confusion on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah. That, that's like a separate issue. And if, I, I'd rather Hypo take the timeout and clear up the confusion on a, on a critical third down than not take the timeout. Yeah, but that's not – the point is, coaching-wise, calling a timeout because your guys are not lined up in the right place, that is a reflection on, on coaching. So remember, remember when, when – Pruitt in his second year where we had lost to Georgia State, we had lost to BYU, guys wouldn't line up right, period. And you didn't call timeouts, and, and guys were you know out of position and we failed to make plays. Regardless if you call timeout or not, not being where you need to be is a reflection on the players and on coaches. Now, coaches could be telling you exactly where to be um, and doing a great job of telling you that, and you just mess it up. And it can, you know, it cannot be the coach's fault, but it's still a reflection. It's like being a parent. Like you could be teaching your kid everything that's right about how to act, how to behave. If they go to school and they don't behave, it's still a reflection on you, regardless of you prepared them or not. Same case here is they had to call timeout because you didn't have guys lined up. Ideally, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You want to call timeouts because you know you're trying to. Stop the clock. Uh, you don't want to call timeouts because, you know, guys don't know where to go. Like, if you're on offense and the play clock is running down and you got receivers that's on one side of the field and then he's running on the other side of the field because he not know where to line up and you see a timeout called, w- watch the reaction of the head coach. Oh, so, yeah. So you don't, want to, you don't want to have to call timeouts because guys don't know where to go, guys are not in the right place, or you confuse. You want to be able to – get that taken care of during the week so you can save your timeouts just for clock purposes. So I'm not like ripping the coaches on that one, but you just don't want to use the timeouts for that is what I'm saying. Right. Um, And that was the case with the second timeout as well. The first timeout that I'm talking about, it was on the Pittsburgh drive after the Jalen Wright touchdown that cut the lead to 41 to 34. Pittsburgh goes back on the field. 
pick it incomplete on first and 10, pick it incomplete trying to find Addison on, on second and 10, and that was the, the incompletion that Theo nearly stepped in front of and, and picked off. Then there was a timeout prior to the third and 10, and then after the timeout, Tennessee comes back with Theo blitzing off the edge to force Kenny out of the pocket to the far side of the field and uh, Pickett launched it downfield towards Warren Burrell, and Burrell did a good job of ripping the ball out uh, as the receiver was, was falling to the ground. So the timeout paid off, but you're right. You don't want to have to use a timeout in that situation. Yeah. And it was the same situation with the next timeout. Actually, on that very next drive for Tennessee – uh, first and 10, Jalen Wright rushes for two. They use then, the offense, yeah. Yep, and you're facing second and nine. And the receivers were stacked, mm-hmm. and it looks like they weren't supposed to be. And, and, they, they, and, they, and they switched. Hooker gets frustrated, calls timeout, and then Hypel gets frustrated on the sideline and is yelling at somebody, don't know who because you can't mm-hmm. see them in, in the shot. Callaway's kind of mm-hmm. throwing his hands up like, hey. I was what, living there. What, what went wrong? So I, I'm – my my point of what I mentioned a moment ago is like I'm not questioning Heupel's usage of the timeouts. I, I like taking the timeouts in those situations. But to your point, you wonder, why are we using a timeout? Why do we have to use a timeout in that situation? That shouldn't happen. I mean, Correct. You, you run an up-tempo offense. The, the the playbook is not, you know, complex enough where, like, you know, you shouldn't know where to go. And, again, like I'm not sitting here saying, man, Heupel is terrible. Because you could be doing everything right from a coaching standpoint, but then the bonehead players just not do it right. Like, that that could happen. Like, that could happen. Um, but you don't want to use that timeout. And I guarantee you, only having one left, that affected how aggressive Hyper wanted to be with calling a timeout on that third down and two when, when Hinda Hooker picked up, picked up that first down, but he didn't. Hype only had one timeout. It's one thousand percent the had, reason why he yeah. said that he was worried about burning his his final timeout, and I I don't think it's like people are making that out to be like one of the worst coaching mistakes ever. Hype will not it, it not wasn't. challenging. I would have challenged because I mean, is one timeout really gonna get you the ball back with with Pitt running the clock out on, on offense? I, I feel like there's maybe a, a greater level of chance of, of you getting that spot overturned than getting the ball back with time on the clock with just one timeout in, in your pocket. So I kind of think the risk-reward was was worth it in that particular situation. I, I do think that Hendon Hooker picked up the first down. I, I think that, that the call on the field was wrong. I think it was a, a bad call by the refs he, he wasn't even in position to to really mark the ball properly because he was behind the play but the reason I don't think it was as egregious uh, of a, a non-challenge by Hypel as people are making it out to be is because although I think that Hooker picked up the first down you can't see where the ball is on on the screenshot that has that has been going around social media. And if you can't see the vault, the ball, that's not conclusive evidence. That That is not 1,000% evidence that Hooker got to the line of gain. And I don't trust the referees to, to make the right <laughs> decision, make the right call in that situation. And because it, it wasn't 100% conclusive, in my opinion, you would have been burning your third and final timeout in that situation. Yeah, and this is why it's important for the coaches up top that, that, that do have the view that can see the replay – Played on the monitor to communicate with the coaches down on the field. 
uh, especially Hypo, and let him know, hey, you got to call timeout to get this thing challenged. Um, but I don't I, – again, I don't 100% look at the coaches in that situation. This is a coaching moment for the players on offense. Like, hey, man, and players on offense, player on defense, it's important – to have perfect alignment, perfect assignment. That is the number one most important thing when playing football is to know where to go and know what to do. Because if a timeout is called, it can affect your chances to win later on in the game. And that was the case. Josh Heupel didn't want to call a timeout. Now, I probably would have called it just because, you know, who knows if you get another opportunity to get back down there and score. Exactly. Um, but, you know, th- still, like, like, you don't want to have to call those timeouts. So think about it. Two it's timeouts were called because guys wasn't lined up properly. Mm-hmm. One on offense, one on defense, and you, you, you want to save those timeouts. You want to be able to have timeouts used for clock purposes, not to, you know, get guys lined up. All right, let's go back to the phones. Real quick, last thing on, on, on the replay is what frustrated me is that the refs didn't ignite the replay on their own. Hypo was in the ear of the side judge, and, and I feel like they, they should have reviewed it on, on their own rather sure. than Hypo challenging. But uh, we've got Rusty, and then we've, we've got another phone Buck Nasty behind Rusty. Yes, Buck Nasty. Uh, Rusty, good morning. Hey, guys. What's up? Um, I'm much. Just uh, I have, like, a real thing that I wanted to discuss, but two things real quick. Well, we sh- what we should do in those situations, as opposed to using the timeout, is do what Narduzzi did, which is have one of your defensive linemen fake a cramp. Ooh. And that gets you, get you, get you the free timeout. There it is. That's what, that's what we should have done. Yeah. Have your players thought that if we're not aligned correctly and it's a big situation, you got hit by a sniper. That, <laughs> that, 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 you know. How about that? Yeah, that'll stop. That'll stop the play. That's what Narduzzi did. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, anyway. Um, yeah, just want to send out condolences um, to all the BFLs and everybody out there um, who's devastated by the news. One of my favorites of all time, the, the, the opening play against Alabama in 04 is still one of my great moments. I always loved Paris and just just hate it for everybody and, and for his family and for all you guys. I'm, you know, condolences. Thanks, man. And uh, try to try to move on with <laughs> what I wanted to talk about today was uh, this is I guess for Ben because I I've heard Ben talk about it enough with the whole ties can't stand ties and I have a scenario and please indulge me and let me get through my scenario and to see how much Ben really hates ties. It's the last weekend of NFL football and the Steelers are ten and six. And the Ravens are nine and seven, and neither one of those teams are getting the wild card. But whoever whoever finishes ahead in that division is going to win the AFC North. And we have now found out that the Ravens won their game. They're going to be ten and seven to end the season. The Steelers, we know, were ten and six going in. The Steelers ended up in overtime. The Steelers have the ball with about two minutes left, and it's still tied. And the other team's out of timeouts, and the Steelers decide we're ten and six. And if we're ten six and one, we win the division because we're ten six and one, which is better than ten and seven. So we're going to take a knee and take the tie. And the Steelers mm-hmm. go to the playoffs, and the Ravens sit home. How much do we still hate ties? 
I still hate ties. Ties are the most stupid thing in sports. Now, obviously, I would be rooting for a tie in that particular situation because it's what's best for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that doesn't mean that ties aren't still stupid. That's just taking advantage of a stupid rule. Ties are stupid. We play to win the game. There should be a winner. There should be a loser. No participation trophies. Ties are stupid in soccer. Ties are stupid in football. Ties are stupid everywhere. I know people don't like hockey around here, but the one great thing the NHL does, and I don't care how much people hate shootouts or, or losing, all, losing out on, on two people or two points to, to shootouts, the fact that they actually have something that determines a legitimate winner is A-OK in my book and something that they do really well. Ties are stupid. And I'll add one more thing. I, you know, I'll say what I'll say about baseball being born, but they'll play until the sun come up to find a winner. Yes. I'll give them credit for that. Agree. But I will say this. Oh, you agree in now. That situ- in that situation, no, I think, I think ties are stupid, but I think there are a time and a place for them. Because in that situation, the Steelers, even though they tied that day, the Steelers are the winner and the Ravens are the loser. So yeah. by taking a knee right there and getting out with the tie, the Steelers are the winner. Yeah, but One again, that's taking advantage team. of a stupid rule. I mean, you, 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 you think team. you're getting a gotcha, but, but, but you're not. It's just taking advantage of a stupid rule. How about this, man? I hate shotgun on fourth down and one. I hate it. But if it's, it's successful, hey, man, that's all that matters. I just want my team to be successful. But I don't like, I don't like fourth down and one uh, on the goal line running shotgun. The reason for the tie, the reason for the ties are sometimes in a football game, in an NFL game, we don't need to play all day, especially in the regular season. Now, in the playoffs, <laughs> somebody's got to somebody's got to advance. There's got to be a winner. But in the regular season, there's situations for where getting a tie is actually a victory for you. Okay, but we're willing to play an, an extra quarter of 15 minutes. Why? Ten. They only play, they only play ten. Ten, 15, whatever. Why can't we, we alternate possessions like we do in college? You can, you can change the rule. I'm fine with that. But start on the 40, so you're not already in field goal range. If you want to do that, that's fine. I'm, I'm good with any of those type of things. I'm just saying there is a time and a place to get a tie to where it benefits your team. Yeah, ties, but aren't that always, ties aren't always kissing your sister. People always say ties are kissing your sister. That day, the Steelers would be celebrating the tie if they won. And that's the, that's the whole thing that I'm pointing out. It's not always kissing your sister when it benefits you to tie. You're not wrong, but that's different than me thinking ties are stupid because ties are still stupid even if, even if the Steelers were able to take advantage of a stupid rule. Right, I get, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying – we could play all night and have 100,000 injuries in an NFL game if they just kept playing and playing and playing and playing. Colleges and don't. He, he change the rules. That's, that's my whole thing. Just change the rules. Or, or adopt, so, <laughs> adopt Russell Wilson's uh, idea of, of an overtime that he shared last night. Just do alternating kicks after the OT period. Do something to where somebody wins and somebody loses. People would lose their mind if you won an NFL game on a shootout quote unquote with kickers. Well your that team should have made more plays when during regulation. Right, I know. I'm not saying you're wrong. There's no right there's no right answer to the thing there. Tons of people despise the college alternating rules and starting on twenty five. It's not real football. There's no kicking. There's no there's no kickoffs. There's no punt. People hate that rule. People think that's stupid. And I don't hate the college I don't hate the college but uh overtime rules, but tons of people do. So there's no right answer. And sometimes getting a draw, getting a tie, whatever you want to call it in sports, is the right thing to do. Yep. Appreciate, appreciate you, Rusty, man. Always good 
hear a good debate back and forth. Let's get to the uh, Buck Nasty. Buck Nasty, what is up? Good morning. Jeez Louise, boys. Do you think Rusty uses his tongue when he kisses his sister? <laughs> Golly, Bill. <laughs> if if and if if and if ifs were candy and nuts and all that other saying, geez, Louise, what if aliens come down and abducted Joe Milton and they returned his football he threw last Saturday? <laughs> Good God Almighty, I was so confused you ain't right. at the scenario laid down there. Golly, Bill, holy smoke! Rusty's a thinker. I'm telling you, I, yeah. Ooh, he's thinking with the wrong thing, I believe, boys. But anyway. I was calling in everybody down on our coaching staff. I was great. Hey, I thought really? the coaching staff did wonderful. Yeah, there was a lot of second guessing and yes, this, that, and another. Um, you know, I heard you guys uh, go ham on the receivers yesterday, and rightfully so. Um, there's things that have to be cleaned up, no doubt, one way or another. I thought it was pretty uh, nice. But my, my question for you, Swain, is with Hyatt in particular. Now, I've noticed Hyatt in the first game, and he only got one attempt yesterday before he got hurt. But it seems like he likes to let the football get into his body without catching it with his hands. Is that because Milton throws it so hard? Or is that a technique problem that uh, he needs to work through? A uh, technique problem. Okay. Uh, I just noticed he's trying to let it get in his bread basket a little much instead of going out and getting it with his hands. Is his hands not strong enough to hold on to the football, or is it just something he's just not doing? Uh, well, I mean, obviously he's not comfortable using his hands and not catching the ball with his body. Um, and, you know, this is why you catch 100 balls a day on a jug machine. If you do that during the summer, you, know, you don't have these issues. And so, you know, I, I start questioning, okay, what have these guys done in the summer? Um, if you're not catching the ball, and, and you know, it, it goes back to that for me. Uh, the one thing you can do, though, is take the pad off the um, goalpost and stand um, right in front of the goalpost um, and then have someone throw you the ball um, while you're basically, you know, hugging the goalpost, but you're catching the ball in front of the goalpost, and if the ball hits the pole, then – it's gotten too close to your body. So it forces you to catch the ball with nothing but hands. Uh, and so that's what I do with, with receivers that I used to train uh, is I would take them by the goalposts and make them catch balls around the goalposts so they could not use their body. And so maybe that's something that high needs to do. But you can't be a body catcher because, um, you know, there's going to be too many situations where you got to catch the ball away from your body, away from the DB uh, with your hands. So – um, you know, it's, it's a mental thing. He needs to shake it, but he's had three drops in two games. And if you want to play in the NFL, that's how all the quarterbacks throw it in terms yeah. of velocity. And we're not even throw, we like we're not even throwing intermediate short routes. So like it's not even that hard, honestly. We're throwing a bunch of deep shots. So uh, the, the pass against Bowling Green, you know, that was that was a 50, thirty yards down the yeah. field. 2030? Yeah, so it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. And plus, again, like you, you train for that because the jug machines are spitting out 80 miles per hour. So, I mean, this whole, oh, the throwing too hard, uh, I think it's a bunch of bull. Um, you know what? Well, okay, I was just wondering about that in particular. 
uh, just from what I've seen from him, I've seen other receivers catch it with their hands. I just thought it might have been something that was in on him himself. Uh, yeah, it's mental. It's, it's mental. He got to he got to shake it off. All right, guys. Well, what I'm telling you about the coaching staff, some of the things that I really liked that I second guessed during the moment was why would you line up Hendon Hooker right along with Jalen Wright on his first possession? Uh, you got the backup QB with a third string running back, but if you think about it, it made sense because that's probably who he's meshed with more in camp than anybody else because they're running with the twos and the three. Yeah, but you got uh, Hendon who has more experience than you know probably anybody in that room. So if you Tennessee coach staff, you should feel comfortable about Hendon Hooker in those situations because he has a lot of big game, you know, big game uh, experience. Well, here's another question I got about Hendon in particular: Is the reason that they're rolling him out is it to cut down half the field to reduce his reads? Because when he stood back in the pocket and he threw that terrible pick, um, you know it. Just seemed like he never even seen the DB whatsoever when he launched that ball. Is them rolling him out a way to cut down on half the field and reduce his reads for him? It could be. Could is the key word here because we don't know how Hendon handles full field reads. So it could be, or you could say, hey, here's a guy that has great running ability. And we're gonna take the thinking out of it. We know you can make a full feel read, but check one, check two, and we move in the pocket. And moving the pocket also helps the offensive line too. So we have offensive line uh, that's not necessarily um, you know protecting the quarterback like we ideally want. So moving the line helps the offensive line as well. So uh, you force you know backside defensive ends and backside. You know, D, D tackles to have to run a little bit longer, um, and then you use your running back or you use your tight end to secure one one edge of, of uh, the formation, and then you have two reads, and then your third read is a run. So, not all the time um, does it point to a quarterback's inability to read a, a, an offense. Sometimes it's to protect the offensive line when you have a quarterback on the run. I think it's option B that you described. I, I think it's to get Hendon on the move. And if the receivers that you don't trust right now aren't getting open downfield, you can take off and, and make a play with your legs. Or if the offensive line, who is still trying to gel together, and I think the offensive line, I don't think they play bad football, but I, I think they'll, they'll, they'll play better as the season progresses. I hope so. As they gel together. That, that's such a, a key component that we don't talk about when it comes to offensive line play. Cohesion. And, and this, this group, this five, hasn't played a ton of football together. And you got Cooper out of the lineup, who, who's a key part of the starting five. So I think that that unit will get better as the season progresses. But if, if somebody has a missed assignment, gets beat one-on-one, if, if you're rolling Hendon out, like you, you said, Swain, that, that kind of overshadows the, the blown block up front along the offensive line, and, and Hendon can, can make a play. Yeah, five sacks, man. Pittsburgh had five sacks, so sometimes you want to move the pocket to help the, help the offensive line. So, all right, let's go back to the phones, and uh, let's get to Dave Tona. Dave Tona, good morning. Morning, guys. Hey, Dave Tona. So, <laughs> excuse me. Swain, you were a receiver. As a receiver, 
if you're running 50, 60, 70 yards downfield and the quarterback is constantly overthrowing you, when do you lose confidence in, in, in running those long routes? And I'll, you could answer that in just a minute. I also wanted to say the caller, well, sorry, very, very sad for the family of our uh, ball linebacker that just passed. The caller that just called in a little while ago, look, dude, you can call in this show with your own opinion and speak it and it be heard as long as it's respectful. But you better have tough skin if it's not accurate or if somebody else's opinion is different. Give your opinion, but you're, you're, you're more than likely going to get a rebuttal. So just don't get your feelings hurt. No, I mean, you're uh, talking about Rusty. Rusty ain't gonna be getting. No, he's talking about not not a former phone call, but the me- he's talking the email. That, yeah, the email that you got. Oh yeah, notice that he hasn't called yet. We're still waiting on that phone call, man. So, you as a receiver, when when do you uh, when do you get tired of running those routes and being overthrown constantly? That's a great question, Daytona. After the fourth time, he has to run back to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> At some point, Swain's over there tapping his helmet after after he's done running his route. I'm out. Somebody else go in and run this crap. And walks off at the five-yard line and then walks down the sideline. Cracks me up when receivers I've, do that. I've never experienced what the receivers are experiencing right now. Um, but knowing me, I would really have to – use some self-control because the last thing you want to do as a receiver is blow up too bad on your quarterback and then him not want to throw you the ball anymore. So, you know, you, you got to be respectful, but at the same time, it's going to be hard to not show your frustration, which is what I would do. And this is 37-year-old Swain talking here uh, after life experience and you know, being able to look back and um, – tell you how I would handle things, but I would just simply gra- you know, grab that quarterback and invite him to watch film as much as possible. I would have conversations. And this is why throwing 7-on-7 and one-on-ones and routes versus air during the summer is so important because you get a chance to talk. Talk about how you like the football being thrown. Talk about you know what to look for You know when you pass the DB after you beat him. Like, that time is so valuable, so valuable. But, no, I wouldn't be sh- – you know, Coach Cutcliffe used to really get on to receivers about this, not because we did it a lot, but because he hate, he hated that part of the, fo- of the football game. Um, he hated when a receiver or tight end or running back go out for a pass and the quarterback makes a bad throw, not to show up the quarterback by being what he would call, quote, a dirt kicker. And you see the the, the physical uh, disgust, like you see the the, the the reaction, and you don't want to th- show up your quarterback. And we've seen quarterbacks, like I saw Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, had to call timeout because guys wouldn't line up properly. But he didn't even like he he didn't he didn't show up the receiver because you got to be careful doing that. You got to be careful embarrassing your teammates like that. Um, so yeah, you frustrated, but at the same time. You don't want to show up your teammates publicly, but you better believe I'm having a conversation with my quarterback uh, on the sideline, 
um, outside of the game, in the film room, saying, "Hey, man, like, I ain't running all these damn these damn yards to be to be for my health. I'm running the, I'm running all these yards to get open to catch the football. So, what do we need to do to fix these issues? I would be frustrated for sure." Uh, can we take a moment to recognize that every team in the NFC North lost over the weekend? Oh, I know. That's a and, good tie. And I like that tie. Uh, the most impressive team was the Detroit Lions in that division this weekend. Good job, man. They uh, 0-1 champions of oh, the division. 0-1 champions. Of the NFC North, after, speaking of after, participation after week trophies, one. yay! That that, but but still, the fact that the Lions looked better than the Vikings, Bears, and Packers week one is—I mean, it, it truly feels like a something that the the Lions should celebrate. It's week one, man. The Lions should celebrate. It's something the Lions would celebrate. Your your thoughts on Andy Dalton? He is who he is. Offensive line is trash, man. So is Andy Dalton. Yeah. He ain't trash, but the offensive line is. So, might as well play uh, Justin Fields if the offensive line is going to be what it is. That way, you can move the pocket, make some plays with with with, with, with uh, his legs. Uh, hour two continues after this Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. While the other guys are taking guesses, the Swain event is taking you behind the scenes and in the huddle every morning from 7 till 10, right here. More and more Tennessee businesses are switching to Iris Networks for reliable, local, high-quality, high-speed business fiber internet. Iris provides direct internet access from 10 megs to 10 gigs with no payments for 90 days. Iris also offers next-generation business phones with work-from-anywhere capability from the mobile or laptop app. With local sales, support, and service, Iris is a partner in the community. Learn more at irisnetworkusa.com or call 865-448-IRIS. Iris Networks. A Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. There is no better restaurant in town to enjoy the madness of March with. Cheer on the Vols and the Lady Vols with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey there, Swain Event listeners. I'm excited to share my new Keller Williams Realty app so you can tour homes without leaving yours. Not only can you search for homes in specific areas and neighborhoods, you can also have access to real-time market snapshots on stats like average home price and days on market, plus commute times from your office, school zones, and much more. 
Download my app today and get the most accurate information on buying, selling, and investing in real estate in your area. Just search for the Keller Williams Realty app and click on more in the lower right-hand corner. Type in Jennifer Morris in the Your Agent search bar, then save and you're set. And as always, feel free to reach out at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. For what is coming up on the Swain event. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you, so you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done, and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. Out-of-town law firms have been swarming into East Tennessee lately. Firms from Memphis, Chattanooga, and Birmingham have stormed into the area. Wouldn't you rather do business with a local law firm? You know, a true neighbor. Marcos Garza and the pros at the Garza Law Firm are just that. They are our neighbors and friends that support local causes year-round. The Garza Law Firm works to serve you professionally on criminal matters, injuries and accident matters, and Social Security and disability filings. The Garza Law Firm is here for you at GarzaLaw.com. The Garza Law Firm, let us help. If you're coming to Knoxville and need a place to stay, do yourself a favor and book a room at Hampton Inn Paper Mill, also known as the Hampton on the Hill. This award-winning property is literally in the top 5% of all Hampton Inn properties. The GM, Steven Lawrence, is a good old local boy who grew up in the business around Knoxville. He and his staff are always available, always willing to help, and will go above and beyond for their guests. The newest Hampton Inn in Knoxville has clean, affordable rooms, flat screens, fridges, and microwaves in every room. Plus, breakfast is included in every rate. Not to mention, there's also a pool and fitness center on site. If it wasn't so close to amazing restaurants, bars, and shopping, you would never want to leave. At only six miles from campus, you're still right in where the big orange action is. Go to HamptonInn.com, search Knoxville, and book your room at the Hampton Inn Paper Mill or call 865-693-5400. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street 
online at 42st.com or give them a call at 865-382-7007. 42nd Street, brand, strategy, design. There are articles and news stories that you read about the things that people do. And when you're reading those and you start to shake your head, you start to scratch your head a little bit. You get confused. You don't understand why. You start to ask questions. But really, there's only one question that matters. What is that question you may ask? For what? SwainEvent.com, Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. It is time for for what here on the program. And uh, Ben, man, what you got for for what today? Oh, I've got a doozy. I've got quite the for what. And uh, you can imagine that we are going to the state of Florida. Mine's in Florida, too. I wonder if we have the same one. No, mine. I don't have mine pulled up. It's in my brain, man. I got it in my brain. <laughs> uh, in, in the state of Florida, uh, there was a naked woman mm. who pulled up in a golf cart during an armed standoff. <laughs> there was an armed standoff, and a naked woman reportedly pulled up in a golf cart, according to WFLA. Uh, the incident began Sunday morning. September 8th in Dundon. Is that how you say it? Dundon, Florida? Dundon? I don't know. Somebody correct me. Uh, when Pinellas County Sheriff's deputy set up a perimeter outside a home on Michigan Boulevard near Madeira Avenue, reporters say 18-year-old Miles Abbott was fleeing authorities before climbing on top of the roof and pointing a gun at them. This kicked off an hours-long standoff. Then, 28-year-old... Elizabeth Smith, who had nothing to do with the situation, allegedly drove into the crime scene on the vehicle. (laughs) An arrest affidavit says uh, the Boston, Massachusetts woman even approached the house where the armed teenager was. Uh, Her actions and inability to follow directions put multiple deputies at risk for for potentially getting shot at. Deputies say they were able to get her off the golf cart and handcuff her. The affidavit claims that there was a distinct odor of an alcoholic beverage coming from her person, and she was completely nude. Smith was charged with resisting an officer without violence. So about you and your fear of being a police officer and having to to, to tackle somebody naked. Man, that's 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 one of my fears, man. On top of the obvious, which is you know being attacked, uh, but my other fear would be having to subdue a naked person who was even a female. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Because in most cases, they're not gonna be attractive. <laughs> so. Nah, man, I don't, I don't want to do any any naked folks because they're probably gonna be under the influence. 
they're gonna be on something. So nah, man, that's that's one of my fears. That's 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 crazy right there. You going to Tallahassee for your for what? Yep. How's you know, Ben? Because I I had it bookmarked as well. Listen, is this for what worthy though? It's definitely for what worthy. I love love. And we end the show with peace and love every single day, man. It's nothing better to see two lovebirds together. And, uh, nothing cooler than seeing a proposal, you know, when it's done at a public place. I mean, ben, you, you propose to your wife right there uh, along the river, mm-hmm. Tennessee River. I mean, just, hey, man, it warms my heart. Mm-hmm. Florida State football player decided to propose to his girlfriend in the Florida State end zone right after they lost to Jacksonville State. In the background, (laughs) Jacksonville State player still celebrating. That was the only time you can propose to to your girl at the Florida State? Stadium? That is that the only time you couldn't pro- postpone that thing to another home game, or you didn't say, "Hey, maybe this ain't the right time." You you're always going to have this memory of losing to Jacksonville State. It's your proposal. I'm sorry. Like love is love. Love is great. You know, he proposed to his girl. It's cool. She said yes, but this couldn't have been the only time you could have done this. Here, here's my rebuttal. Not that I'm pro-proposal in this situation, but but upon further thinking yesterday. Okay. What if all family members are in attendance? You plan months, making sure everybody was going to be there. Omaha. You, you're thinking you're going to kill Jacksonville State. Omaha. Even with, with everybody there, everything planned out. Like, like when I proposed, and obviously I, I didn't lose to Jacksonville State prior to proposing. I, I just walked across the stage at, at UT, got my degree. So I, I had an easy excuse to, to get all the family uh, in, in the same spot at, at the same time. But it was still challenging to, to get grandparents all the way from West Tennessee to, to Knoxville and uh, friends up to Knoxville and and my wife's family members up to Knoxville. Like, there were a lot of moving parts, and, and several weeks of preparation went into this. And it would have it it created quite the cluster to call an Omaha in that situation and, 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 and reconstruct a proposal. That's my only thought and rebuttal. Wait, wait an hour. Wait, wait. wait do it Jack- outside the stadium? Wait to Jacksonville State leaves the stadium. Bro, you have players in the background celebrating from Jacksonville State. You just lost one of the worst games in Florida State Stadium history. You're always going to remember losing to Jacksonville State. Now, I do get your point. You got grandma and them coming. You know, I, I understand that. But, man, you, you, you got to adjust. You got to do some in-game coaching here. Ah, taking after Mike Norvell, apparently. My goodness. 
Brady Scott's like, man, forget that game. I don't care. I just got engaged. This is the happiest day of my life. The same day we lost to Jacksonville State. Just weird to me. That's all. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting combo to have in, <laughs> in terms of, of memories. Like I have two great memories from when I did it. I, I achieved my my lifelong dream of, of graduating from Tennessee, and then two hours later, or an hour later, I got engaged. So like th- those are two great memories to have side by side, and quite different than losing to Jacksonville State in the manner that Florida State did, and then I proposed. Alex says she should have said no. She was a real FSU fan. She's not even wearing Florida State stuff in, in the photo. She definitely won't be wearing it now. Hour three coming up.